0: So we got a lot of news and notes to cover today. Grant and I are going to break down all of the NFL breaking news that is sitting there on the newswire right now for you. COVID-related, Josh Jacobs-related, Jerry, Judy. Let's get into it. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Show. What's going on, Grant? Not much. How are you good. Just combing over the news today, and there's a couple of pieces of news that's that's new today, and then some stuff from yesterday we can go over. But most recent piece of news sitting in front of my face is Todd Gurley, um, one of the most recent big name players to come out and talk pretty negatively about the league's handling of the COVID-19 safety plan and precautions and unveiling of the the rules and regulations in place to to help keep players safe and the season moving forward. And Todd Gurley said he's open to sitting out the season. If the NFL doesn't come up with a proper COVID-19 safety plan, his quote directly is it's really not structured. Right. Gurley said about the NFL's current restart plan. There's not a proper plan in place and I'm, I'm I'm comfortable with it talking about sitting out. Um, What do you think these players are, do you think we're going to see any uh, big-name players actually opt out for the 2020 NFL season, um, even if a majority of them, like, decide to play? Like, I don't see this as a big, huge, you know, domino effect, but do you anticipate one or two big-name guys not playing 2020?
1: You know, that's a good question. Um, I really think that you po- the possibility of seeing a couple big-name guys sitting out That's a very distinct possibility. I really can't see that happening, and I don't think it's going to happen for uh, a lot of guys, but one or two definitely. I know that you've had a lot of the big names come out, like J.J. Watt, Richard Sherman, a couple of those guys, that basically said, "Hey, you know, the NFL PA or the NFL has got to get COVID testing in place." And I know a lot of these guys are scared. I mean, it's it's something you got to take seriously. So it'll be really interesting to see what the NFL can come up with. And hopefully they can – everybody can agree so we won't have any big-name players. Yeah, I think the not. worst
0: will be if, like, I'm a Holmes. Like, people consider him, like, the face of the NFL. Mahomes, Holmes. Uh, 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 I don't think you're going to see Zeke Elliott come out. He's already got it. You know, he's <laughs> – um, I, you know, uh, I could see players like that. There's a lot of players that are hardworking, um, like on Instagram, posting all their workouts. I don't anticipate those people uh, wanting to opt out or have any kind of, you know, not going to be threatening to to not play cuz they're they're clearly motivated, ready to go players that need to make money. I think it's going to be players like Todd Gurley. It's going to be players like um I just don't see it I don't see it being anybody that's super ultra competitive um to the to the point where they're like posting every single workout they have on on Instagram and social media like so it's hard to like decipher through that. And I don't think anybody can truly plan for it from a fantasy perspective. Like what players are at risk of being holdout players. It's like, we don't have enough to worry about what players are at risk of getting COVID What players are at risk of maybe being a holdout type personality. What players are at risk of holding out like Dalvin cook. Um, There's a lot getting thrown at people. Uh, And I don't think you can prepare for most of it, but it will be interesting if, if a guy like Gurley, um, it's going to be interesting what that does to his, his draft value too because, you know, I'm super uh, against drafting Gurley anywhere near his ADP and people are starting to draft him in the second round again, which is absolutely asinine if you ask me. That Atlanta situation is awful uh, for running backs, in my opinion. We saw Devonta Freeman kind of waste away in in Atlanta last year and I don't think Freeman's that as washed up as people think um i it's a very pass heavy attack um freeman did rather well in the receiving aspect of his game and still perform underperform to an extreme degree i don't think Gurley, with his bad knees or his now bad covid attitude uh are going to be anybody i'm going to be targeting in 2020 but
1: no i agree with that and i think that you're going to start seeing the conspiracy theorists come out and say something along oh well Gurley's only using COVID as an excuse to sit out because his knee's not right. And so if he can sit out because uh, of COVID as a legitimate excuse when he knew his knee wasn't right, he could gain some form of insurance policy or sue the NFL, uh, you know, for discrimination based on COVID testing, when in reality his knee may not be right and he's just trying to look for a way out but still retain some form of monetary gain. So I think you'll start seeing players – a lot of the conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theorists come out and say, you know, pick out players like that that are coming off of injuries that those players would then use the COVID excuse to, you know, further yeah. their ability to try to recover. We, so you'll start seeing some of These
0: conspiracy that. theories are going to be through the roof here in the next few weeks. Tua mm-hmm. is reportedly good to go for the Miami Dolphins. I don't think that's that big of news because he wasn't going to play in week one anyway. And, um, you know, Fitzpatrick's going to start Fitzpatrick's going to have that job in in Miami. He does well when he's on the field, so I don't see him getting like unseated by a a rookie that's still healing and trying to get to get to 100 percent. So not not really big news here. I'm more shocked that people even draft Tua at all in 2020 redraft, because even if he gets in there by midseason, I don't you know, I don't think he's going to have a, a consistent rookie year. What quarterback does especially a quarterback in Miami.
1: That's correct. I mean, he that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Even in Superflex leagues, justifying him as your second or third quarterback, I can't justify that just because he's not going to – the production he's going to get this year is going to be very, very, very minimal. I mean, he, he's going to be a, a bottom third quarterback, no doubt. He doesn't have the weapons. He doesn't have the experience. And, you know, I just—I just I just don't see it for this year. Yeah. Um well, what's your take on him moving forward for uh for you dynasty perspectives?
0: I honestly I, I I think Burrow's in a whole nother potential class. I say potential because I'm not super sold on on any of these quarterbacks in 2020 for whatever reason. Um I think Burrow's got the most upside. Burrow I'm not gonna call a bust at all. I think Burrow has literally has top five fantasy QB upside and appeal. He just has almost an equal amount of risk, you know. It's like, it's kind of like Drake, for example. Drake has has the upside of being a top five running back, like literally top two to five running back in my opinion. Kenyon Ken Drake is that talented. Kenyon Drake is embedded in that kind of offense um, situation. Meets talent, couldn't you can find a better combination? But Kenyon Drake, you know, if looking at it objectively. Has probably about the same amount of risk of of finishing outside the top twenty five running backs. So you have to like understand that risk and and enjoy that ride because that's the kind of you know. Whereas Jacobs who, Jacobs, who we're going to talk about in a second, is probably one of the safest running backs. Has a very high floor, very <laughs> low potential to bust whatsoever, and then has, still has that top five six overall upside. Um, that's how I feel about Burrow. I think Burrow just he's bleeding with talent his resume is so short he's like that guy that had one job and he's applying for a job and you look at his resume and he's he's had one job for one year but he killed it <laughs> he absolutely killed it he looks amazing in that one year but you don't have a lot to go on so um he's the only rookie quarterback i'm high on tua tua's got to prove it to me he's got to prove he's healthy he's got to prove that situation can change and and miami's not just a, a you know black hole for fantasy football players uh to waste away in. Uh what are your thoughts on Tua?
1: You know, I might be one is I'm not really a huge Tua fan and really never have been from a, from an NFL perspective, from a college aspect, you know, obviously he was phenomenal. But the way I look at it is in Alabama, he was throwing to guys that were just wide open. I mean, just yeah. they he had guys Nobody around him for five, six yards, ten yards around him. But also, if you look at his release, his mechanics and everything, he has good mechanics, but I don't like the way he throws the ball because he throws to the receiver. He doesn't throw through the receiver. And I think in the NFL, he's going to lack the arm strength to be able to throw into those tight windows instead of throwing it through the window. So that's something that really, really concerns me
0: exceptions if you're if you're not able to lead receivers and stuff like that so
1: yeah i agree with you on that
0: uh, as for jacobs let me let me go back a little bit and talk about brand uh josh jacobs brandon jacobs i always want to say brandon jacobs that shows how long i've been playing fantasy football uh josh jacobs uh las vegas raiders so hard to even say las vegas we got so much change going on we got the football team washington football team. no god there we'll talk about team. that in a second uh try and keep it as politically correct as we can but uh we got the football team and the Las Vegas Raiders. Like I, I'm just throwing for a loop right now when I go over teams and all the changes. Uh Josh Jacobs is, in my opinion, the safest running back to draft within six to fifteen overall, or really six on, because you know, you have a guy that didn't do a whole lot in the receiving game last year. And 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 the Raiders explained why and the logic is there. In it. And I think you someone's got to accept the fact that this guy didn't have a lot of track record coming into the NFL. So it makes sense that they eased him in slowly. His biggest season ever on at the college level was 600-something yards rushing. So he wasn't used to having a college season under his belt, let alone a pro season. Most rookies that come in that have a, a good college year, they hit a rookie wall if they're thrown to the wolves in the nfl because they're used to that short you know game season well jacobs didn't even have that so oakland was very very cautious easing him in, and it was smart you know make sure he didn't get hurt make sure he learned the offense learned all the ins and outs of the running game sprinkled him into the passing game here and there and you know it wasn't like he was non-existent there um But everybody assuming that he's not going to get more PPR work in 2020, they're going to be uh, extremely disappointed they passed on this guy because I see him having 40-plus receptions, maybe 45 receptions, maybe more in 2020. And and Oakland said that they're going to do that. They're going to deliver the football to him now in year two through the air. But even if they don't, Grant, this guy is locked and loaded inside the top 12, top 13 overall on a disappointing year, which is a year where he doesn't get that PPR work. But if he does, he's top five, top six running back bound. It's literally the the tightest window of floor and ceiling that I can find for a player. You know, like I was saying, Drake has a super high ceiling, very, very, you know, down at the bottom, top, you know, 25 overall floor. There's just that risk. Jacob's floor and ceiling are tight together you know, within that that 6-10 to 10 overall, 6-12 to 12 overall range.
1: Absolutely. And he's actually one of the guys I wanted to talk about. He's continually, the last few weeks, climbing up my draft board. I think on my current rankings, I've got him at number 8 right now, and I'm really thinking about moving him up to number 6 or 7 ahead of guys like Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon, just because the versatility. They've already said they want to throw him the ball, and Gruden's really not a smoke-and-mirrors kind of guy. When he says he's going to do something – He's going to do it, so I'm going to take him at his word that they're really going to try to get him involved more in the past Yeah, game. 20 receptions
0: could easily go to 45. That's more than double. Uh, 100, 166 Absolutely. yards could easily go to you know 400. So you're looking at like 45 receptions, 400 yards receiving, probably one or two receiving touchdowns. I think 8 to 10 rushing touchdowns. That puts him in double-digit touchdown territory on the year. And probably around 1,400, 1,500 yards at 4.6 to 4.8 a pop. That's going to put you at, like, top five to six running back, you know, conversation. So, I really think he's in for a big year. You obviously do agree. Um, I I think people considering, you know, an Aaron Jones or uh, a Mixon or a uh, Miles Sanders over this guy is absolute craziness. So, um Josh Jacobs, don't don't pass on him in 2020. I agree on that. Uh, next few pieces of news here. Okay, so the Washington football team. Let's get this out of the way. It was it was shocking. the The one thing uh, the one thing I'll say that is that they plan on picking a name. So you know you could look at it from the perspective of they didn't want to rush it. There's some copyright, I think, issues at play, which may have made them stutter step. I just believe they should have just waited longer, and and figured something out, or said we're just gonna leave off the name for right now instead of calling it the football team. It just it just rubbed people the wrong way to call them the football team to actually name them. If you're if you can't name them yet, if there's copyright issues at play, if 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 they want to take their time and make sure the fan base is okay with it, don't actually name them. You're 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 taking a name away. And then you're adding a new name that you're going to take away and then adding a third name. It's just confusion. It's frustration. Nobody wanted them to do anything temporary. They should have just waited or said, we're going to call them Washington until we figure out the name. Not football team. Now, you know, you have stupid uh, uh, graphic issues you're going to have on Instagram uh, on, you know, like for someone like me. I do a lot of graphic work and stuff for on Instagram. I do the Seahawks versus the what do I put now? Football team? The Seahawks versus Washington? That doesn't make sense. You usually have to keep team name versus team name, state versus state. Like, they're just – they're screwing with all of my graphic work, Grant. It's pissing me off.
1: Yeah, you can't go Washington versus Washington at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah, wa- yeah, Washington. But it's a football team. Like, that's the dumbest name ever. Uh, everybody, uh, they, every,
1: Everyone's a football team. No, that's exactly right. And it's it's kind of one of those deals where – you would think with all the millions they probably spent on marketing and getting in consultants to come in here, just the lack of just how they drop the ball on that deal is just mind-blowing to me. You just make up something temporary. I just – or just call them the skins for the weekend. I, I don't know, just for the year. But coming up with a football team just seems extremely lazy to me. Why, why can't they – they've had a lot of time to work on this. The, the
0: excuses that people throw at me, like probably 90% of the comments I get on my on my YouTube show – which you could find at Smitty1.com, by the way. You could also find Grant at GrantlandPart 2com dot com. Uh, but on my YouTube channel in the comments, on all of my this football team name is idiotic videos that I've posted, like two or three already. Um, I I get mostly ninety ninety something percent positive comments or, or you know, comments where people agree. And then there's like those one off comments where they're like, you know. You obviously don't understand how complex a name changes. You should use your head. You know, you should think, think more before you speak. Like some people are, they get defensive about it. And the bottom line is they've had a ton of time to work on this. They have people sitting in suits in rooms thinking crap up, trying to figure this out. You can't tell me that they're running into a problem that can't be solved in a couple weeks or a month. You know, like that's, that's a poor excuse for why they don't have a solution right now. And it makes me wonder, are they wanting to make, like, what? what's going to happen? What do they do? If they're going to wait until next year, let's say, to announce the name, they're going to literally play the 2020 season with that name. Are they going to sell new jerseys, new football team jerseys? Uh, like, And then, then what, people that buy those have to buy new jerseys? Is that their ploy, like, to make more money? I don't even understand what their plan of attack is with jerseys. Because they're going to have exactly come. right.
1: Do you just pull the 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 Redskins, you know, chief logo off the front and just sell it with the color scheme? Or I don't I don't know how you do that as far as marketing. But does that also create you know one of those cool collector items for years to come, where it's like, hey, they were the Redskins, but that one year they were the football team. And if you have a jersey, does that make it a collector's item moving forward? Yeah, in order to trying to make money off
0: that. I mean, I I don't know. I just think it's a ridiculous they should have had something in play and I don't I don't accept the excuse that they it's complex and there's copyright issues. Like they they've had plenty of time to work that out. Yeah, there's uh, no
1: reason why they can't have attorneys contact the people who own the names and the copyright issues and say, Hey, here's a million dollars. I'm gonna buy your website, your domain, your copyright. Let's get this done. Like I just don't understand what the amount of revenue being generated from you know, the marketing and everything else, they just wouldn't go ahead and have made that happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, Red Wolves is my favorite so far. Um, I think if they would have just come out and, and and figured that copyright stuff out, and I'm, I'm not even sure if they're struggling with that particular name, but if they would have just said, okay, we're the Washington Red Wolves, it's in my opinion, and you might think differently, and that's cool, but in my opinion, that's such a cool name. I would have just forgot all about it and been like, okay, yeah. You know, remember when they were the Redskins? Why were they ever the Redskins? The Red Bulls is pretty damn cool. Like, I, I, would, I would have moved on, Grant. But now
1: we're forced in this, like, limbo stage where we're, we're talking about it. And I thought the, one of the funniest names that I heard the other day and that I didn't even think about was the Washington Sentinels. And I was like, yeah, oh, that sounds pretty cool. But it wasn't dawning on me that that's the team name from the Keanu Reeves uh, movie The Replacement. And how funny would that be if they actually named the team after in honor of the movie?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm lo- I'm looking up on online right now. It looks like the wa- all these team names are going to be taken, but the WashingtonRedWolves.com is gone. Um, you know, you're not going to find any of these domain names. I'm sure if they don't own them, somebody has scooped them up, like you said, and that's why they're struggling with. Yeah, there was
1: one guy that bought like 25 domain names with all like the leading names. As soon as they said they're going to get rid of them, this guy went on GoDaddy and just made all kind of .dot .com names and, and owned all the, I guess, the websites. And I think he's holding pretty firm, wanting some high-dollar uh, money for to be, to get by for
0: those names. Yeah, and if they didn't have the copyright stuff in place by then, you know, then I don't know that they have much of a leg to stand on. But if they did, then he's probably going to be in a battle. But, yeah, uh, it's crazy. Yep. There's, there's a guy, I don't know if you've ever seen that, what's at Nissan, the guy that owns Nissan.com. Um Nissan, I don't know if you've ever gone to the Nissan website, but it's like Nissan USA or something like that to go there. And the reason they don't have Nissan.com is it's some like, I don't know if it's like a computer repair company or something like that, but the the dude had that name before, I think Nissan and Nissan and him have been in like a, I don't know, decade or more, two decade battle uh, for that domain name, which is hilarious. And when you go to the guy's website, it's like more than half of it is dedicated toward that particular like lawsuit and battle not even his business
1: (laughs) but that's funny i'm gonna have to check that out it's
0: uh but red wolves hopefully it's red wolves that's that's my pick if they pick something stupid uh it's gonna make for an even worse uh situation for them they should have just they should have just grabbed a cool name everyone would have forgot about it moved on you know um last few pieces of news for today's show, Cam uh, Cam Newton, uh, Mike Davis is the backup running back in Carolina. Um, that's you know just no- worth worth noting because I, I I don't like cuffing every single player in the league, but I think McCaffrey might be worth cuffing if there's a clear backup. And for right now, it looks like Mike Davis is that backup.
1: Right. It also kind of depends on how many bench spots you yeah, have as well. For- because if you've got eight or nine bench spots, who cares? Throw a flyer yeah. out there grabbing just a couple. Yeah, if you're talking off. about
0: some receiver, you're never going to use. Uh, 15th overall pick, Jerry Judy signs a four-year, $15.2 million contract. Um, I, I think expecting consistency out of rookies is a tall order in 2020 with this offseason. I think expecting Jerry Judy um, – to you know, be consistent with all those weapons there without knowing how good Locke's going to be. He's also a tall order. I think that he is a, a top 10 wide receiver lock for the future, in my opinion. And so I'm excited about him. But I think as a rookie, it's going to be hard to expect consistency. What do you think about Judy in year one and in general? And then real briefly... What do you think about Locke, man? I, I I'm I'm smelling a whole lot of Baker Mayfield. We may have touched on this in one of the other episodes, but uh for those that didn't right. hear it, I'm smelling a whole lot of Baker Baker disappointment maker out of Locke for some odd reason. I do elite player um that everybody's hoping he'll be.
1: I I'm not a huge true Locke fan for the fact that uh, something that you always had those people that just had there's something about that person. It's, I call it an it factor. It's just, you don't know what it is, but it just bothers you or irks you. Drew Locke has that it that just bothers me. You watch him on the, the, the sideline, and he's, you know, I don't have a problem with people dancing and stuff. It's just his mannerisms. He doesn't look like yeah. he's focused. He just looks, he looks lost almost. And so that, that really kind of bothered me from a mental aspect, but physically, he's got, he's got a ton of talent. He's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's got great arm talent. I just don't know that he's got the mental capacity to to really put it together at a, at a high-level situation for the NFL. And so I think that does trickle down to Judy and the fact that Judy, obviously, I think, in my opinion, was probably the number one receiver coming out of, in this draft class. He does have – he's right behind Cortland Sutton, but I think that'll help him in a way in the future. But I think in the future, you were saying for dynasty drafts, I'm probably taking Judy in that five, six, seven hole all day long in dynasty – but for redraft, I'm I'm not high on Judy this year. I think he's going to take him a year or two to acclimate. Drew Locke's going to need some time to 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 grow up a little bit. But if Drew Locke does grow up and and Judy kind of matures the way we think it'll happen, you know, naturally in the NFL as as rookies do. I think he can be huge. Yeah, move they'll forward. figure
0: it out. Um, they're not going to stick with Locke for very long if he isn't the real deal. So I think that, you know, by the time Judy's ready to blossom in his, you know, late second season, maybe entering year three, that's when that'll all be figured out. Look at look at A.J. Brown I was looking at, at Marietta as the, as a starter. And, you know, all of a sudden we're looking at Tannehill with a, a contract and looking like the future and. So, that'll shake right. out. I just think rookie-wise, rookie, yeah, rookie wise, I, I would worry a little bit about that if I'm if I'm counting on him in a redraft. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is uh, going to be the backup heading into early 2020. No one expected Keyshawn Vaughn as a rookie to unseat Ronald Jones. In fact, Ronald Jones has been the player a lot of people have been talking about heading into the, the last few weeks as a, uh, a guy that could take a hold of that job. That'd be very, very undervalued in fantasy, and I kind of feel like I don't know if I if I'm if I'm locked into that mindset, but I what I am locked into is that both of these guys are getting drafted in the ninth and tenth round or tenth and eleventh round. Um, Jones going first, Keyshawn Vaughn going second. We're talking redraft, and that's not a bad running back two combination to just back to back snag both of these guys, and you have the Tampa Bay running back locked down for the whole year, like it's that safety mechanism that you could have in place in your draft plan that if you screw up at running back two and misjudge the flow and you don't get yourself a running back two or you get yourself a weak running back two or you go high risk, high reward and you take you know, like Kareem Hunt as your running back two and now all of a sudden you're worried about it a little bit and you see at in the 10th round range or 9th round range Ronald Jones sitting there then Keyshawn Vaughn in the 10th round or 11th round you could secure yourself a very, very uh like i'd say sneaky sneaky high end running back to potential duo
1: that's exactly right
0: um da- dalvin cook it's espn's reporting that that they don't expect a holdout to last beyond the first week of training camp i think a lot of us feel that way because of a the new cba making it a lot harder for running backs to hold out and keep money and uh two just most running backs in in history have bluffed their way you know through this process but melvin gordon and, and love bell have kind of changed that now we're like okay now we don't know what to think and and proof by love bell we don't know if if these players see this differently than we do they they sometimes will stand on their principle and could care less about the money and that you know that that's something that it's hard for us to wrap our heads around we think they're going to make the wise choice they won't, they may view the choice differently than we do so i don't know that there's a, a lock for dalvin cook to come back um, if you ask me he's not a lock to to return or anything but i do believe that he's using this covid situation more than likely to take his shot because he's already quarantined everybody's already staying away from each other why not use this Already quarantine situation to be like let's pretend like I'm holding out right now and see what happens. I think he he shows up. He's working hard. He's posting videos of him working out, you know, on Instagram and social media. Players that do that typically aren't in holdout mode. Truly, they're they're ready to play. They want to play. He's hungry to play. Um, if you had to put a percentage on it, total guesswork here. How what are the what are the odds percentage wise that you think Dalvin Cook will actually hold out? deep into the off season and maybe like flirting with week one?
1: I think honestly, it's probably a high percentage that he holds out. I'd probably say it's 80, 20 that he actually does hold out in some fashion. Now, I I think that he probably, I don't know Delvin cook or anything, but I would think just from what I've, I've seen about him, the way he talks, the man wants to play, but he also wants to get paid. So I think that he doesn't, he, I think, the last few running backs that have held out is not gone well for the running back and the teams are just not willing to bend over backwards. That and the fact that I, we all know that they love Alexander Madison um, is their RB is the running back too. So for Dalvin cook, he'd better be careful because if he pushes it too much, you know, I'm not saying Madison's going to unseat him, but if he falls out of favor, they could look to trade him pretty quickly if they're comfortable with Madison being a two. So I could see him holding out till about a week before season and then being like, okay, you know, just kidding, ha ha. Let's let's get this resolved. Yeah, the, the one
0: thing that a lot, everybody keeps referring to though, and let me break down the specific piece of the CBA, but the, the part of the CBA that now is going to make it a lot harder for a running back to hold out is that there's a $50,000 fine each day um, a holdout player doesn't report and the word is that those fines can no longer be rescinded once the player shows up, which was what always happened. The player would hold out, hold out. And even when they regretted it and the team's like, look, we're not paying you. The player could be like, okay, rescind all my fines and I'll come back. And that's typically how it went down. Or if they held out and they agreed upon something, they rescind the fines. And so now $50,000 per day could add up very, very, very quick. Oh, that's, that's so, uh, you know, I I think that the odds definitely decrease the odds of a player actually holding out and following through. But you know, like like I just said before, you even explained what you said. The, we can't, we can't, we can no longer think about just the logical side of this. There's a lot of emotional um, principle that these players will stand on, and and I think trying to predict it is kind of hard. But ultimately, I think he returns. But you're right, Madison's that good, and if you draft Cook, you better you have zero excuse for not drafting madison because he's not going that high you could reach a whole round to be safe and get him in still a very like comfortable seventh round range where yeah seventh round might be high to take your backup but you're securing yourself top five overall running back numbers all year basically making it so you only have to worry about your running back two because you're covered all year at your running back one it's worth the, the gamble last piece of Absolutely. Last piece of news, and then we'll call it a show, is that uh, C.D. Lamb signs his four-year, $14 million deal. Um, we just talked about Judy signing his. I feel more comfortable from a rookie standpoint playing Lamb as a, a wide receiver three slash four um, as he gets to know the offense, I think, a little bit first. What are your thoughts on Lamb? I think he's going to be a top five to seven wide receiver of the future. I think Judy could be as well. Judy's just got a tougher path. And when Judy landed in Denver and, and Lamb landed in Dallas, it re- reminds me of the reactions people had when, when Melvin Gord landed in Denver and Gurley landed in Atlanta, how everyone I felt like was just off base on which, which option, was which situation was better. I hated the situation for Gurley. I still do. I love the situation for Melvin Gordon um, for their, for 2020. I felt the same way about these landing spots. I think Lamb landed in the best spot he could have landed in. Maybe at first it looks confusing because there's Amari Cooper is a good wide receiver. A lot of people think is a wide receiver one for the future, not just 2020. And I can understand why they think that but Lamb, to me, has a shorter path to being his team's number one than I think duty does because Sutton, I think, is better than Cooper long-term. I, I like Cooper a lot, but Cooper is a vanishing act. He gets in his own head. He struggles with drops. Having a guy like Lamb drafted as the team's future, I think is going to mess with his psyche and everything, and I just think Lamb in two years' time will be – a locked and loaded top fifteen overall player in redraft.
1: I completely agree. I'm very, very high on CD Lamb. I think that he, because people don't uh, realize that Randall Cobb had like eighty four or eighty five targets last year, like he had a bunch. And another thing too is that the situation he lands in with Dallas is that Dak Prescott is obviously uh, an established. I'm not going to say top five, top five fantasy quarterback, which what we're talking about for fantasy that's going to pay huge dividends because he's, they're going to throw the ball all over the place. And I know we've talked about this before, but I fully anticipate by the end of year two, beginning around uh, year three, CeeDee Lamb's going to be the team's number one, and Ke- Cooper is going to be the third receiver, or he's going to be traded. Uh, I think CeeDee Lamb has that kind of talent, that kind of ability, and I, I really fully anticipate CeeDee Lamb being easily a top five uh, overall wide receiver in fantasy for years to come. And I, and I think it's going to happen sooner than yeah, later. Yeah, I think uh, I think Lamb, Lamb's going to mature
0: very quickly. His skill set is such that that he can thrive as a rookie. I think some rookies struggle to develop fast because of their game and their style. Whereas, you know, Dak's a, a good quarterback all the way at the right time. And it's just going to make for a very quick maturing process. And a good Amari Cooper is going to be a good thing. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, it's going to help him mature fast. So
1: L- Lamb's, Lamb's real and excited what, what, about Lamb.
0: Um, and, and,
1: yeah, and what I, like, what I like really about Lamb is he's a big, tall, physical receiver. When that ball's in the air, he's got the mentality, of that's my ball, I'm going to yep. go get it. And he'll go through anything he has to go, you know, whatever he has to do, he's going to go get the ball. Well, Mari Cooper is yeah. just not that guy. He doesn't want to be near people. He doesn't want to be touched. He just wants to run in space. And so when you have guys like that, it takes longer for those guys to develop in the, in, in the NFL versus guys that are ball-hungry and big physical specimens that are just going to go up there and get it. And I think that's why Kenny Galladay, for example, is why he took off so much so fast. And especially in year two is when he really came into his own. <laughs>
0: You're listening to the Fantasy Football Show.